Hey everybody, this is Jade and welcome to another episode of Jade Start Secrets Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to share the last part of my three-part story with you. This is where I talk about how I found my passion for law and which ultimately led to me becoming an entrepreneur. And it's the final series, final part of the series that really ties in um, how I got to where I am today and the obstacles I had to overcome to break my molds. So I hope you enjoy the episode. So the big question is this. How do we have the freedom we crave so badly when we're stuck in jobs we don't like, leaving us unfulfilled, exhausted, and trapped? What if I told you that you're already qualified enough to start building a life on your terms, the life of your dreams? That is the question, and this podcast will show you how by giving you the answers. My name is Jade Weller, and welcome to Jade Start Secrets Podcast. There was one moment that was so significant that kind of changed the course of my life. And that was the moment that I got asked to do jury duty. So I was working yes, at, we were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. I was working in the, in, the, in the butcher section at Woolies and, and I got a letter from the uh, Supreme Court, uh, sorry, the District Court in Southport and Queen, uh, on the Gold Coast asking if I wanted to do jury duty. I always thought it would be a really cool thing to do. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do jury duty. And so I wrote back saying I was available, got the clearance from work, and then I rocked up on the day on the first week, and they had this trial starting with this young guy who was had a number of charges against him, and it was from a traffic accident. So he, he went through a set of lights. It was argued as to whether they were red or green or, or um, orange. But anyway, when he hit a car, this old lady died in the car, and so he was up for some serious charges. And so they were trying to... Um, they were doing the hearing that week. And so I thought to myself, oh my goodness, this would be such a cool case to be on. And I really wanted to get on it. So I kind of, they draw your name out of the hat. Anybody who's done jury duty knows what this is like. They sort of draw your name out of the hat. They pack like 30 or 40 people in the courtroom and they've only got to fill 12 spots on the jury panel. And so they're drawing names out of the hat. And what you have to do is just walk up to the bailiff and put your hand on the Bible to say like the, the affirmations or the, the swearing. Um, and if your name gets, if you get struck off in that walk, you can't be on that case. So anyway, they drew my name out and I started walking up to the bailiff and I really wanted to be on the case, but I really wanted to play it cool because if you walk up super fast, they think you're too keen and they'll strike you out. So I'm just casually walking up. I get to the bailiff and I put my hand on the Bible. And I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I'm going to be on. This is cool. So I put my hand on the Bible and I did my little affirmation thing and then I, I got paneled onto the jury panel. And they filled the panel and the trial went for a couple of days. Um, we would hear evidence. I think it went for about three days. You'd hear evidence um, every day. And then the last day you have to deliberate and, um, and you go away and you decide whether they were guilty or not. When we went to the back room, um, it was quite early in the morning. I think it was like around 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and we're all at the back. And I couldn't believe the attitudes of people who were doing jury duty with me, their attitude was almost like, okay, let's just give a verdict and get out of here. And I was like, hang on, what? What did you say? They just wanted to go home. They didn't care about doing justice. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not fair. Like this young man could do prison. And and for a long time, like six years, if we find him guilty, we have to make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is guilty before we send him to prison. And we then deliberated all day. I wouldn't let anybody leave the room unless they'd actually considered all the facts and made an informed decision. 
And it ended up being that we couldn't make a decision that day. So they put us up into a hotel. They called Aaron and asked him to pack a bag and we all got ushered up into this hotel and we all had to have dinner together. We all had mm -hmm. to go to our hotel room and then the next morning the bailiff would come and get us all and we'd all get ushered back to court and we'd have to go back into deliberations. Um, and the next day we, we handed down our verdict and we, had, we couldn't find, we, we had doubt, we couldn't find him um, being guilty. So we, we said that he wasn't guilty. But it was that, that experience alone of, I suppose, learning the justice system, how it works, but also people's attitudes and how careless they are about other people's lives. Like that really sparked a massive shift inside of me. And I remember coming home and telling Aaron yeah. all about it. I was just like, this is so unfair. Like imagine all of these other people that are going to prison just because somebody wants to go home. Like, that, was the, that was the spark that lit the, <clears throat> like, the, the fuse for you to become a lawyer. Yeah. So... I kept getting asked to do jury duty all the time after that. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't shortly after that that I started to get restless in my job at Woolworths and I, I wanted more. I was working weekends. Oh, straight away. I hated working weekends because Aaron had them off and I could never spend time with him except for in the evenings and all my friends were off mm. and I was just, ah. Oh. And I think too it sparked an intellectual level in me too. That was the big difference. The intellectual change was mm. that because you could see that you were working in like a um, like a rep I wasn't repetitious. Being it, was, it was a repetitious job yeah. that didn't challenge you, and you saw that you could operate it with a higher intellect, and that's yeah. what sparked it for you. Yeah. So I said to Aaron, "That's it. I want to quit. I want mm. to get out of Woolies, and I want to go do something else." Yeah. And so we tried to get me into sales management roles, like account management roles. Um, mm. That's what I was doing at the time. That's what Aaron was doing. But you have to keep going in for psych testing, and I'm too honest to be in sales. <laughs> <laughs> I suck at it. I'll be like, "Do you do you want to buy this product?" And I'll say, "No." I'll say, "Okay, have a good day." <laughs> Or well, you shouldn't buy that one. It's not very good. Yeah, don't buy that one. Get this one instead. <laughs> Get the competitors product. You are so blunt like that. But it <laughs> so turned out to be a blessing. It turned out to be a blessing, yeah, because to we be went a to a blessing. barbecue with uh, one of Aaron's old mates that he went to school with, and his wife was a lawyer, mm. and she worked for a property developer. And I just had this experience with jury duty and law, and I was just like, oh, this would be an incredible opportunity. And I spent the whole barbecue trying to beg her to give me a job as a legal assistant, and she's like looking at me going, why should I give it to you? I've got lawyers applying for the job yeah, to be a legal assistant because at the time there wasn't enough positions for lawyers. And so you were getting lawyers taking assistant roles just to get their foot in the door. Mm. And she saw something in me she didn't see in anybody else and that was this absolute fire to succeed, this desire that no matter what, I was going to make it work. And so I went in for an interview with the director of the business and I got offered the job. And the job was part legal assistant, part property management assistant because they had a commercial space in, uh, in in all of their portfolios as well as residential. So I remember on the first day I rocked up to work and I walked down the corridor of the office and the first person I saw was the property manager and she was my half my boss. And I remember she would look at me and she would say, like I walked down the corridor and she looked up and she saw me and her face went from like smiling as she was walking to, oh, it was almost like, I've got to deal with you. Somebody who's got no experience. I wanted to hire all of these other people who had experience and I've got to put up with you. And I was like, okay, this is going to be tougher than I thought. And so I spent, um, and, uh, and on top of that, they had something like 100 and something minutes settling the very next day in the residential component. So I remember mm. it was a challenge. I didn't know how to use Microsoft Excel or Yeah, Word. because you, you put in the hard yard. So <clears throat> Jade would come home after 13 or 14 hours. She would be the first there and the first to come home. So... What she lacked in the skills and expertise, she certainly made up for more than with um, just discipline and just, just the tenacity to work hard and work ethic.
like I think work ethic sums you up the most as far as like your business acumen goes. Yeah. And so she came home, I remember one day, she said, look, how do I put this document together? Like I've been asked to sort of draft this, this letter up. How do I start that? I said, well, just, you know, just grab a template from Microsoft Word. She said, well, how do I get Microsoft Word? And I, <laughs> I said, have you, the have you used it before? She <laughs> said, no, I haven't used it before. So I remember teaching you how to use Microsoft Word, yeah. Microsoft Excel, all those basic Office Suite programs, like that's where you started from. You had, you started from zero. I started from zero. And this actually sparked a massive um, uh, like interest in, in Laura as well, because I was, I was helping Laura. And I remember coming home and I had this massive epiphany one day. I was like, I've got it. I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I said to Aaron, I'm going to be a lawyer. And he sort of looked at me like, okay. But then the very next thought was, how do we make that happen? Because I left school at the end of grade 10. Because my, remember how I was saying I grew up with my dad and my stepmom? Well, my stepmom had a stroke a couple of weeks before I was due to start grade 11. And I had two younger brothers. By this stage, my sister was living with my mom. And so it was too much for dad. And so I had to go and live with my grandparents because he was a baker and he'd work night shift. And then he'd have to come home and look after us kids. And so he thought, the less kids I have to look after, the better. So I went and lived with my grandparents and had to leave school at the end of grade 10 and go get a job. And so this is how I ended up working for the worse. And, and yeah. anyway, how long story short, he's like, how do we make this happen? Because you left school at the end of grade 10 and to get into law, you need an OP of five and above, which means you need to finish grade 12. And you were going for bond as well. And I was going for bond. And so which I thought, so okay, how do I make this happen? So I started doing lots of research and there was a college in Surface Paradise called Martin College that offered an advanced diploma in business. Mm -hmm. And I called them up and I remember asking them, look, if I do this course, is that going to give me the OP that I need to get into law? And they said, yeah, well, as long as you get you know grades above a certain level and so I was like okay and I just became fixated on this goal I was like this needs to happen and so it was at that stage that I just head down bum up into books I'd work all day I'd come home and I'd study all night and I was getting really good grades for every assignment that I was submitting um, in fact I got high distinctions for every assignment that I was submitting and I hadn't done any schooling since year 10 so I was really trying really hard. Aaron would proofread everything. He would put his, Aaron's amazing in English. So he would go through and, and correct all the grammar and, and make everything spick and span for me after I'd done all the work. Uh, I had the lawyers at work looking over everything for me because I really wanted this dream to come true. And so I remember the day I got my results. I finished all of my assessments and they handed out their overall result. I was, we were down at Kingscliff for a weekend away because uh, we've been working so hard. We thought we'll go away for the weekend. And I remember the results came out online and they released them. And so I logged on and, and I looked at it and it said 99. And I was like, oh, I thought I needed an OP of five or above, like IE one to five. And I got 99. I think that means I failed. And I was devastated. And Aaron's like, I don't think that's what it means. <laughs> I was like, but it says I need to get five or above and I got 99. Like, I think I failed. And so I called the college. I called Martin College and I said to them, what happened? I thought I was getting high distinctions. Like, why did I fail? And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, I got 99. I need to get five or above. And she just burst out laughing. <laughs> she goes, honey, you got an OP1. And I nearly dropped the phone. I was like, what? <laughs> Come again? <laughs> OP1 and I I remember feeling so overwhelmed with emotion that something I'd worked so hard for that I didn't think I was capable of. If you had said to me a few years earlier, 
you're going to be aware you're going to get an opening one. I would have laughed because I was a butcher, hadn't finished grade 10, had a hole in my tooth and I accidentally... It wasn't a hole in the tooth, it was a missing it tooth. It was a missing like, tooth. A miss, hole missing tooth. I, I, that's my actual tooth now, but it was stuck up in my gums. I had to have surgery and braces to pull it down. So anyway, I just remember feeling like I'd done it. I'd, I'd accomplished it. And so I got my application accepted into Bond and Griffith and UQ and QUT. And so yeah. I had to choose which university I wanted to go mm-hmm. to. And I remember the choice was made on the fact that I wanted to be graduating by the time I was 30. So I was Bond, 20, Bond, do, at this time. Bond University do trimesters where they pack yeah. it in like tighter instead of doing um, two semesters a year? It's expensive. I think it's about 120 grand for my law degree. So mm. it's very expensive. Um, but at the time, I, it was worth it because I wanted to graduate by the time I was 30. So I uh, accept, got accepted into Bond and I started studying at Bond. Um, I was about a year in. And then all of a sudden, the company that I worked for that you know, supported me through about whole, all of this journey, um, we got a phone call one day um, saying that it was going, that we needed to all go into the office and there was going to be an announcement with the directors. And so we all went into the boardroom, all of us employees, and the directors were on speakerphone and they told us the company was going into receivership. And that means that it was going to be externally controlled by receivers and managers and PwC were the receivers and managers um, that were being appointed. So we didn't know what that meant. We had no idea what that meant. We were going to have a job by the end of the day, by the end of the week. All we heard was like all these horror stories about what happens with receivership liquidations, voluntary administrations, and how people get fired and lose their jobs. And I just signed up to do a $120,000 degree. I was a year in. I needed the money. I needed the income. But more than that, I needed the support. Mm. Like the workplace were amazing. They would let me go off to my lectures and, and I still worked a full-time job. PwC were amazing and lucky it was PwC because they mm. really know how to run a ship in receiverships. And I remember the existing staff that were at the project, the um, the commercial, uh, the um, residential tower that you were in, the staff that were there, just the way that they handled the news of the receivership happening. So Jay came home and she said, oh my goodness, like this is happening and all the people at work are saying how the sky is falling and it's all over and all this negative stuff. And I remember sitting down with Jade and saying, hey, we can either look at this one of two ways. It's either going to be that um, we can take as many positives out of it or we need to make sure that we, like, we, we're going to go on to somewhere else. But first and foremost, we're going to take as many positives out of it. So continue to do your work. Keep working your 13, 14 hour days. Keep putting in that massive amount of effort for them and just do what's right. Long story short, Jade out of around about 40 staff, well, no, no, we all kept our jobs. We all yes. kept our jobs. I went on to, I actually stayed there the longest. So I was the last employee the last left one to after go. four years. I stayed working there. Yeah. I learned how to do marketing. I learned how to do accounts payable, HR, sales, um, legal, property management. I learned everything because as people were leaving, I was taking over their roles. And so um, I... I worked my way up quite quickly and uh, learned a lot of skills. And so uh, after, I remember after the four years, I got my completion certificate from Bond and I emailed it through to the partner who was the receiver and manager at PwC. And I said, thank you so much for all the support. You have no idea how much it means to me. Um, I've graduated now, I've got my certificate. And as it turned out, that was three days before my 30th birthday. So when they, when people say you're setting goals, it doesn't necessarily come true. It really does to the date almost if you're really specific and clear on what goals you want. And so anyway, I remember on that phone call, I said, you know, I, I think it's time now I start looking for a job inside a law firm so I can start practicing. 
And I remember him saying to me, you don't want to come work at PwC, do you? And I was like, oh my goodness, I would love to. (laughs) So I went through the whole recruitment process, interview process, and I ended up being hired by PwC. And I continued to manage that project from within PwC for years. I'm, I'm still there now. It's been nearly four years. And I suppose that the transformation I've had along the way and, and the, the achievements I've accomplished just from my story and my journey and, the, like, the stories I've told you, they're just some of the key highlight moments in my life. There are so many more stories I could tell you, but I'll be here for hours telling you, literally. I think the transformation I've achieved as a person is I went from being this girl who had a massive fear of judgment who, to this day, still has a fear of judgment uh, and something I'm continuously working on to not feeling like I could have anything I wanted because I had everything I wanted taken away from me um, to being somebody who within a short period of time, I'm talking only seven years, went from working at Woolworths, feeling completely brain dead and bored out of my brains to being a lawyer, an entrepreneur. It was halfway through my uni degree that I started Jade Start and that came off the back of a uni assignment. And so um, to, to have that transformation externally, obviously those qualifications are huge, but the transformation internally that gave me was massive. It made me feel as though I can do anything I put my mind to. Anybody can do anything they put their mind to. I don't care what environment you come out of. I don't care who you have around you, what your IQ is or what your experience is. It doesn't matter if you want something you will move heaven and earth to make that thing happen, which means you find ways around your obstacles, you find ways to break those molds, and you can break those molds. And I suppose that's why I'm so passionate about helping people break their molds and working with entrepreneurs, especially startups, because it's so tough in that initial phase. You've got to overcome the obstacles of starting a business and getting customers, but more so your mind, overcoming your family and friends doubting you, thinking that you're going to fail, and overcoming your own beliefs that you can't do it to feeling like you can. And so the, the, the biggest transformation for me was my mindset and understanding and believing I can accomplish anything in this world that I put a, my mind to. It's, it's, a, it's a challenging one to be able to do that as well too, particularly because, Jade, you're, a, um, you're, one of the, you're the first person in a multi-generational chain of uh, ancestry to be able to do things like go to university, become a lawyer. So yeah. the breaking of those patterns and the existing molds that are in your life, um, they're, they're tough to, to sort of get around. And you really need to subscribe to a positive mindset and um, always have a great support network around you to be able to get there. Yeah, and Aaron's been my support network for the 11 years, that nearly 11 years that we've been together, and he's helped facilitate a lot of that growth. And so if people around you aren't helping facilitate growth, then you need to get rid of them because otherwise you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to achieve everything that you want to achieve, um, and you'll ultimately be the one that hurts because you won't feel fulfilled. So, yeah, I, I, it, was, it was a little bit tough telling some of those extremely personal moments especially with the religion um i've never come on camera and told you guys i grew up a jehovah's witness um it's something that it's um it's a little bit painful still i was um but it's it's something that i needed to share because at the end of the day um not sharing it means i might not inspire or motivate some of you and that's selfish of me so i need to not worry about the judgment that you may place on me because of the religion i grew up with and instead share my story with you, um, hoping that it helps you overcome any obstacles that you're facing at the moment. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. And I'm really loving hearing everybody's origin stories inside the Launchpad course. So if 
you want me to help you craft your origin story or if you want to share it with me, I'd really love to hear it. So just reach out to me and send me a message and we can get chatting. Thank you so much, guys. Have an amazing day. See ya. If you found value in this podcast, please let me know by leaving a review. It takes 30 seconds and tells me that you're loving receiving the content from me. It takes time to think of, record and edit these podcasts and I do it to help you on your journey. So please let me know what you think. If you're ready to launch a business, I have a brand new course which will give you the coaching I've been doing with my one-on-one clients for the past four years inside of a group coaching platform without the expensive price tag of the one-on-one coaching and it's delivered online with weekly check-ins so even the busiest person like me can manage the course load. I work a full-time job, am studying at uni and running my own successful consulting business so everything I create for you as my client is tested to make sure it can be achieved with the busiest lifestyle. I've priced the course so it's cheaper than a couple of Uber Eat meals a week and you will get me as your business coach taking you through the entire process to launch your business successfully with the proper foundations for growth. So if you're ready to take the next step to break your mold and achieve the lifestyle you deserve, click on the link in the show notes and sign up for the Launchpad course. If you haven't got a business idea yet, I offer a seven-day business idea challenge, which will help you find your purpose or why in life and match it with any number of epic business ideas. You do this challenge with a group of people so you can bounce ideas around and learn from everybody's insights. The challenge has been a huge success. So if you're ready to find your purpose or an epic business idea and learn how to validate it before launching it, sign up for the challenge and join our next intake. I appreciate you all for listening and I hope you have an amazing day wherever you're listening in the world.